listening to Clarification on Springfield's Talk 1041. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Clarification. I'm your host, James Clary. Welcome to Fall in the Ozarks. It is October, and for the month, we are exploring all things paranormal, esoteric, weird, strange, scary, whatever, and today is no exception. So, if you've been following the show, the uh, first episode this month we did on Bigfoot. We had our local... Bigfoot Hunter on. And then last week, if you missed the show, you need to go check it out. It was pretty amazing. We did uh, we did a show on several recordings that I personally made at the Landers Theater of, all I can say, their voices that were incarnate. Uh, you can call them ghosts, spirits, whatever you want. I don't know what they were, but they are strange. And we actually played those for you. Today, we're going to talk about Strange Humanoid Encounters, which has always been one of my favorite topics because there's very credible people that have reported very incredible things. We're going to go over several cases uh, with a lot of eyewitnesses and law enforcement that back them up. There's all kinds of crazy things. But before we get into that, I did want to make a quick comment about what's going on in the world. As you know, we live in a, it's insane right now. It really is. What's going on in Israel just breaks everybody's hearts. I don't care what side you're on. And I, I think most of our listeners uh, strongly support Israel. I certainly do. But I want to bring one thing to your attention. And there's very few pundits out there that have talked about this. Now, if you watched Tucker's recent show on X, where he had Vivek Ramaswamy, this is one of the first things they talked about. And I was glad to see it because I asked this question on X, used to be formerly known as Twitter, in reply to Barry Weiss. And I said... Barry's a well-known reporter, used to be New York Times, and she's a Jewish woman, and she was talking about the atrocities. And I agreed with her, you know, it was just absolutely horrible. Hamas deserves to be wiped off the map, et cetera, et cetera. But I have one question. How is it possible that in the most secured border in the world, with the best surveillance system in the world, was this attack allowed to happen? And I think that's the point. I just want you listeners to ask yourself, how did this happen? Looks a lot like 9-11 to me. Am I claiming that the Israeli, the Mossad and the Israeli intelligence forces allowed it to happen? No, I don't know that. We don't know that. But I think the question needs to be asked. All right, enough of that. Let's get into the fun stuff. The first case I want to talk about, if you've never seen this, oh, Sarah, the producer is here, and we will put pictures and links to videos in the show notes. There's actually, I saw this video, I don't know, 12 years ago, and it kind of blew my mind. And I really thought, okay, this is a this is kind of a fake. But then investigators went out, they interviewed the original witnesses, found them to be very credible, that these people didn't make any money on this. There was no reason that they would make this up. And beyond that, no one to this day could figure out how they would have been able to to fake this. This is the case of the Fresno night crawlers. You ever heard of them, Sarah? No, no. Sarah says no. The Fresno night crawlers. So what happened 
was it started in 2007, where there was a, a gentleman who only identified himself as Jose, and he was uh, he was awoken. Is that right? Yes, he was awoken at two, three in the morning, somewhere between two and three in the morning by dogs barking like crazy. Apparently his dog and the neighborhood dogs were going nuts. And so he had outdoor surveillance. He had cameras that pointed to his front and back area. So he looked on his screen, his computer screen, and he just caught something moving out of frame. He just caught some movement. So he didn't know what it was. So he he rewound the video and he watched the whole thing. And what you see in this video, I think there's three of them. Sarah's looking it up on YouTube right now, aren't you? Fresno Nightcrawlers. There's these three... Okay, picture this in your mind. This is radio, so I have to paint you a picture. Imagine headless beings. It looks like a pair of sticks with white pants on walking through this guy's yard. Okay, if this wasn't strange enough, I mean, just there's no head, there's no arms. It's just these two stick-like things with white billowing pants walking through his yard. And there's two or three of them. Sarah's looking at it right now. Is that not crazy? It almost looks like a wishbone. I know. <laughs> it does. Doesn't it? Okay, now here's where the story gets a little crazier. Like I said, investigators went out and they interviewed Jose and his roommate and found them to be very credible. So, you know, this, okay, it's a one-off thing, but that's the, the issue. It wasn't a one-off thing. This is where the story really gained credibility in my mind was that in Yosemite, Yosemite Park, which is also in California, and I looked on Google Maps this morning. It's exactly 71 miles from Fresno. A park ranger, the U.S. Forest Service camera, they put game cameras to to look at what kind of uh, wildlife is in the area. A game camera caught several of these same things walking down a path in Yosemite. It's just nuts. Now, think about that. This is the U.S. Forest Service. Do you think they made it up? Do you think that they would allow some hoaxer? I mean, look, to hoax this thing would have involved very sophisticated puppetry. That's the only way I could figure it out. But the way they walk and the way these things move, it just doesn't look like puppets. And I know this is radio, you can't see it. But like I said, Sarah's actually putting the links in the show notes. So check your show notes while you're listening to this and go watch this video. Or if you can't do that, do a search for Fresno Nightcrawlers and you'll see these creatures. It is the strangest thing that I've ever seen. And I find it to be credible, particularly with the Forest Service the U.S. Forest Service in California, in Yosemite, capturing the same things in the middle of the night, walking through the forest. Now, there have been several other reports. There's actually another grainy footage. I think it's from Utah. And a woman on her surveillance camera caught what looks like one of these things walking through her backyard. But that video is such poor quality, you really can't tell. But again... You can see the two legs, no head, and you see movement. And like with all these things, 
You know, we're not going to talk about Bigfoot today, but did you catch the latest video? It's all over Facebook. It's all over Twitter of a train, people on a train in Colorado out the window saw what looked like a Bigfoot. Now, I was engaged in conversation about this, and one guy says, well, it is a very compelling video. I mean, it looks... Can't it said definitely not a bear. It's some upright creature, and but it, but I'm certain that it's staged. And I said, so oh really? So you're telling me someone went and bought a five thousand dollar suit, had themselves dropped off at an eight thousand foot mountain in terrain that's nearly impassable. You can't get there. This train doesn't let people out. You'd have to go in there by hiking up a mountain in very rugged terrain, or you'd have to be dropped off in a helicopter. It just stretches the imagination to think that these things are fake. You've heard of Occam's Razor. Occam's Razor says that if there's two choices about a controversial subject, the one that is the most likely explanation is the one you should accept. And I would postulate that in this case... The most likely scenario is that it was a Bigfoot. I, you know, nobody's ever been caught in the real videos. And this Colorado is one that I would call real. No one's ever been caught faking this. No hoaxers ever come forward. Even on Patterson Gimlin, in spite of what you have heard about that film, no one has ever been proven to have faked it. So anyway, that's the first one, the Fresno Nightcrawlers. We come back, we're going to get into the Lizard Man and Goblins from Kentucky. It's clarification. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Clarification. I'm your host, James Clary, and it is spooktacular, the month of October, where we're discussing... All Things Paranormal, which if you know anything about me and my producer, Sarah, we love this stuff, don't we, Sarah? I love spooky. I know, right? And you don't want to get too close to it. You know, that Lander's Theater deal, I talked to some people about that, and they recommended that I not do that. Mm. I mean, they're like, look, you don't want to mess with that stuff. And this, the one person I really have a lot of respect for that told me that had had paranormal experiences growing up as a kid. And he said it ruined their family. So anyway, this next story is one of the most famous in UFO, uh, strange humanoid encountered lore. And it's called the Kelly Hopkinsville saga event whatever you want to call it so this happened a long time ago in 1955 on august 21st there was a large family living in the hopkinsville kentucky area this family was called the suttons and if i remember the story right it was uh, there were like four children. There was the parents and a brother of the father and maybe even a couple more. There may have been a grandmother there. There was at least eight people. And as I get through this, I might find that out. But these people showed up at the police station in Hopkinsville in southwestern Kentucky. And they told a story that the sheriff found almost too hard to believe. But Uh, And I've seen interviews with the sheriff. He claimed these people were truly terrified. He wasn't sure what happened, 
but he knew that they experienced something. So the way it begins is that the Suttons were on their farm, and they lived in a tiny rural hamlet called Kelly, Kelly, Kentucky. They lived in an unpainted three-room house without running water, telephone, radio, TV, or books. They lived basically, I mean, we're talking Appalachia. This is back in the sticks. These were very poor people, subsistence farmers that just eked out a living. The details of their story is pretty crazy. Uh, One of the, let's see, that 7 p.m. on this Sunday, now, it wasn't the uncle, it was a Sutton family friend, and his name was Billy Ray Taylor, and he was getting some water from the backyard, and he was relieving himself when he saw a silvery object. As he described, it was real bright with an exhaust, all the colors of the rainbow. And he saw this object come silently towards the house, passed over the house, stopped in the air, and then it dropped to the ground. Taylor and his 18-year-old wife had come from Pennsylvania to visit Lucky Sutton, with whom he worked with in a traveling carnival. So... He runs back in the house and he starts telling all the the Sutton family, the three children, 12, 10 and seven, that he just saw a UFO. His face was white. He was terrified. And they all begin to laugh at him. They didn't take it seriously. But Billy Ray was adamant that he saw this. But so an hour later. The dog started barking, and Lucky and Billy Ray went to the back door, and they saw a strange glow coming from the woods a couple hundred yards away. And then in the midst of this glow, they saw a creature. They said he was three and a half feet tall, had an oversized head, almost perfectly round, its arms extended to the ground, and his hands had talons. Its eyes glowed with a yellowish light. They said that the body gave off an eerie shimmer in the light of the new moon. They thought that they described it like the body was made of silver metal. So they, the men, they were terrified. They grabbed their 20 gauge shotgun and a 22 rifle and they started firing at this little creature. And the creature had its hands raised up almost to say, look, don't shoot me. But it kept walking towards the back door. As they shot at it, they reported that it did a flip and that it scrambled upright and fled into the darkness. The men go back inside. They barricade the door. They tell the women and children, get under the table. They put something in front of the door, make sure it's locked. And then soon after, they're looking out the window and they saw another creature. They fired through the window and they were sure that they hit this thing. They said the little man again did a flip and disappeared as, uh, Lucky described it. He said, I went out into the hallway and crouched down next to Billy, and I saw one approaching the door. It looked like a five-gallon gasoline can with a head on top and small legs. And then the drama escalated when Taylor stepped outside under the small overhanging roof, and they saw behind him a claw-like hand reach down and touch his hair you you've got to watch there's a show called paranormal witness and they did an episode 
on this. And the way they, the reenactment is absolutely terrifying. This claw hands. They heard these things on the roof. They saw them surrounding the house. So they, they left the porch. They moved inside, but they kept hearing movements and scratches on the roof. And finally, at about 11 p.m., the whole group ran for their cars. They all piled into a pickup truck, and they hightailed it to the Hopkinsville police station. So the local police chief called for backup, and his team was went to the Sutton Farm. And they were joined by state police and military police from Fort Campbell. The investigators found shell casing from the gunshots, but little other evidence, although they did find an area where the saucer supposedly landed that looked like the grass was flattened and somewhat burned. They also looked to see if the men had been drinking. And according to Mrs. Sutton, the matriarch, she said that she did not allow liquor in the farmhouse and there was no evidence that the men had been drinking or doing drugs. Once the police and others left, the creatures returned at 2.30 a.m. They came back. Mrs. Lankford said she saw one glowing repeatedly by her bedside window and its claw hand on the screen. I mean, this is one of the craziest stories. And I've Sarah's looked it up. You see the pictures of those things? <laughs> they look like little goblins. You know, and, and what are we to make of these stories. I mean, there's a part of me that says, oh, you know, this is all a bunch of hooey, but why would this family make it up? As a matter of fact, in reports that I read later, the family was basically ostracized from the community. They never sold their rights to a movie production company. They never wrote a book. They got absolutely zero financial reward for this. So you really have to ask yourself, what would be the motive for a family to make this up? Also, the other thing you have to consider when you start looking into this stuff, stories of encounters with unknown creatures are ubiquitous. There are thousands of them. Are we to say that they're all absolutely bunk? And if only one of them turns out to be true, and I've made this point on the show before, if only one of these stories turns out to be true, then you kind of have to give all of them some credence. I'm sure you all have heard the story of Mothman. Sarah, I want you to talk about your visit to Point yes, Pleasant. You I, were in Point Pleasant, I right? I did go to Point Pleasant because, you know, this is kind of right up our alley. Absolutely. And so, yeah, we took a tour of the <clears throat> of the museum that they have there on site. But they also had a, a cafe there. And one of our servers there, actually, her husband had passed away in that tragic bridge collapse. Oh, that, yeah, where, the silver... Yes. Stream Bridge, mm-hmm. right. And that is, you know, notorious with Mothman is because typically he is seen before some type of tragic Tragedy, event. Right. So they were seeing him for like weeks on end and 
some even reported seeing him on the bridge before it collapsed. So exactly, it was very interesting to hear uh, the waitress's uh, story and to to hear. And did you find her to be person. credible? Yes, very much so. Yeah, her husband passed away in that in that collapse. So it was very tragic, and I really appreciated her sharing her story with us. Absolutely, and you know the, the people, the Mothman case. We're not going to go too deep into it, but if you've never heard of it, I'm I'm sure you've heard of it. If you've never seen the movie Watch Mothman Prophecies, mm-hmm. which is based on John Keel, the famous esoteric author, who was played by uh, Richard Gere in this movie. It's an incredible movie. I just watched it again the other night. It's so amazing. And Keel really did have some awfully strange experiences. He never saw Mothman himself. But he'd get these phone calls. Nobody had the number to his hotel. Nobody knew where he was staying. He kept getting these just weird phone calls. He had to run in with a man in black. You know, the whole the whole area, Point Pleasant, Virginia, there's another story related to Mothman about a, a an alien, as far as I can tell, named Ingrid, in, no, sorry, Indrid Cold. Indrid Cold. And that's mentioned in the Mothman prophecies. The witnesses that I've seen interviewed that that saw Mothman, to me, once again, are completely credible. These people had nothing to gain. And that's what you have to ask yourself. Why would people make this up? I mean, I suppose there's just some crazy people. But in Point Pleasant, hundreds, at least dozens of people saw this creature. And the, the, the craziest one, Sarah, were these late two couples that were parking by the TNT area. And this creature chased them down the road, and they were doing over 60 miles an hour, and this creature's flying right next to them. I mean, it's nuts. But the next one, the next one I've got to do is the Flatwoods Monster, which we're going to talk after this break. And my son made me look into this many, many years ago, and so I've got a little personal story about this. We're going to get into that, and the Lizard Man, when we come back, it's clarification. Don't go away. Everybody. Welcome back to Clarification. I'm your host, James Clay. We're talking we're talking about monsters, basically. It is October. It's the month of Halloween. And we thought, yeah, I'll just do the whole month, do the paranormal stuff. And we'll get back to ugly, uglier topics like politics and crazy things like that uh, in November. I've got some great guests lined up for November, by the way. Anyway, this next story... I said I had a personal interest in this. My son, when he was about 10, read about this story. And this is the story, The Flatwoods Monster. And he asked me, Dad, is this true? And I said, I don't know. Let's reach out to the most famous investigator and we will ask him. And I did. And after I tell you the story, I'll tell you what he had to say. So in 1952... September 12th, three little boys saw a bright object cross the sky. And so they ran towards it. The object came to rest and it was on some land that belonged to their neighbor. And they ran to see what it was. And they ran to the first, sorry, they ran to their mom's house, said they saw a UFO. From there, the boys and several locals went to the farm to try and find out what they'd seen. 
One of the locals' dogs ran ahead, out of sight, and started barking. Moments later, the dog ran back to the group with its tail between its legs, whining. So after going about a quarter mile more, they reached the top of this hill where they reportedly saw a large pulsating ball of fire about 50 feet away. They also saw and smelled a mist that made their eyes and noses burn. A farmer then noticed two small lights to the left of the object and directed his flashlight towards them, which revealed the creature. The creature was reported to have emitted a shrill hissing noise before gliding towards them, changing direction, heading off towards the red light. At this point, they, the whole group fled in panic. And now this creature, and we'll put a link and show a picture of it. One of the, the uh, witnesses actually drew a really good picture, and it looks like a, I don't know what I'd call it. It looks like a robot with a witch's head and some kind of cloak. I mean, it's one of the craziest looking things you'll ever see. And they said it didn't walk. It floated as if there, it, gravity had no effect on it. So when they got back to the house, the mother contacted the local sheriff and a news reporter. The reporter conducted a number of interviews and returned to the site with the farmer later that night. And the reporter, this is the reporter, said there was a sickening, burnt, metallic odor in the area that was still there. The UFO was gone or whatever this craft was. But the reporter said there was just a horrific odor. The sheriff and his deputy searched the area, but they found no trace other than this mist and this odor. So the next morning, the reporter visited the site of the counter for a second time, and he discovered two tracks in the mud, as well as traces of a thick black liquid. He immediately reported them as being possible signs of a saucer landing based on the premise that the area had not been subjected to traffic for at least a year. This was like way out in the sticks. No cars had come through there, so it wasn't an oil leak. After the event, investigators associated with the Civilian Saucer Investigation, CSI, this is the, now this is in the 50s. This is a group that investigated UFO sightings, obtained a number of accounts from witnesses who claimed to have experienced a similar or related phenomenon around the same time. One of the accounts, there was a story of a mother and her 21-year-old daughter who claimed to have encountered the same creature and this with the same odor prior to this event. The encounter reportedly affected the daughter so badly, she literally was in the hospital For three weeks. Now, I hate this sad stuff, but I do need to report the dog that had run up initially on the crash. The dog died soon after. And the people that smelled this odor, all of them were sick, including this girl I just told you about was in the hospital for three weeks. They got a statement from the mother of a local farmer, which she said at the approximate same time as the crash that the first boy had witnessed, her house had been violently shaken and her radio had cut out for 45 minutes. And the director of the local board of education 
claimed to have seen a flying saucer taking off at 6.30 in the morning of September 13th, which would have been the morning after the creature was first sighted. So the day after this happened, another, a, a couple was taking a drive through the mountains of Frametown, West Virginia, I didn't say this was West Virginia, did I? No, it was in West Virginia. A lot of strange things in West Virginia. We were just talking about Mothman, Point Pleasant. So it was around dusk when this couple were driving near Frametown, West Virginia, and they had a similar horrific experience. Their car came to a sudden stop, and it wouldn't start. And, you know, this this over and over, you hear this something about these UFOs that really mess with the electronics of vehicles. So shortly after their car stopped, they reported a putrid sulfuric acid odor filled the air. The couple circling the vehicle in hopes of spotting the culprit spotted something far worse than they ever could have imagined. From the waist down, it was similar to the Flatwoods monster, but from the waist up, it was a reptilian humanoid. This creature, thought to be the same creature sign in Flatwoods, is known as the Frametown monster. Now, this is so. This would be so easy to dismiss with a wave of hand, wave of the hand. But first of all. How many witnesses reported this stuff? And they all reported it to the local sheriffs. There were dozens of people that experienced it. There were people that were sent to the hospital. Something happened to those people. Now, I mentioned at the beginning of this that my son had asked me to look into it. And I said, well, let's see if we can get in touch with the investigator. So the investigator was very famous in the UFO world. And it's a guy named Stanton Friedman. Stanton Friedman was a nuclear physicist and actually worked at Los Alamos. And he worked in a lot of these exotic projects. And he got interested in UFOs. Now, unfortunately, Stanton died, I think, three, four years ago. But he is widely respected as one of the leading ufologists. He did probably the most work in the uh, crashes near in, in New Mexico. Uh, so I emailed Stanton Friedman about this particular incident and oddly enough which i thought was very cool he emailed me back which began a long email back and forth he spent a couple weeks in west virginia and near flatwoods he talked to every one of these witnesses that was still alive now he went a couple years after it happened he said he found them to be extremely credible that their stories all lined up There were no inconsistencies. And you know, when you lie about something, you always, when you tell it over and over, there's going to be changes. These people's stories stay consistent throughout. So, Flatwoods Monster to Killer. And we come back, Lizard Man. It's clarification. Hang tight. Hey, everybody. It's clarification. Welcome to Esoteric October. Spooky October. We're doing all things paranormal. And the theme of this week's show are strange humanoid 
sightings. And we've talked about the Flatwoods Monster, the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblins. We're going to talk about, well, hopefully if we have time, we'll get into a couple of them. But I want to talk to a story that, tell you a story that's always fascinated me. And that's of the Lizard Man in Lee County, South Carolina. So, this one didn't happen in the 50s like the others. It's actually more recent. On July 14th, 1988, Lee County sheriffs investigated a report of a car damaged overnight on the edge of the, this was in Bishopsville, South Carolina, on the edges of the scape or swamp. The car reportedly had tooth marks and scratches with hair. Oh, the way this started out is that a young man named Christopher Davis reported that he had gotten off work uh, from a fast food restaurant. It was very late. It was about one in the morning. So he reported to the sheriff that his car was damaged by a creature he described as green this is quoting Christopher, green, wet-like, seven feet tall, and had three fingers on each hand, red eyes, skin like a lizard, and snake-like scales. So he's driving home from his restaurant job, and he got a flat tire. And after he's just finished fixing his tire, he hears something, he looks over, and he sees this creature walking towards him. Now, it was dark, he couldn't make it out great, but he, he knew it wasn't a man. It was, he said it was like plodding along, and it was massive. Like I said, he said it was seven feet tall. He got into his car and began to drive, but the creature, before he was able to get very far, was on top of his car. He slammed on the brakes, causing the creature to roll off the top of the car, giving him enough time to escape. And when he got home, he was absolutely terrified. Now, I've seen uh, several, I've seen reenactments, but I've also seen interviews with the sheriff. And here's what I find most compelling. This young man's father was a pillar of the community, was known to be a very hardworking religious man. He was a very strict man and didn't allow his sons to drink, smoke weed, or anything else. Now, the damage to the car looked like scratches from claws. So it wasn't like the kid had an accident and he went home to make up some cockamamie story to his father. The sheriff investigated it and everything lined up. And, you know, this when I saw the the interviews with this kid, Christopher Davis and his family, I'm like, once again, these people are super credible. What do they have to gain out of it? Just as with these other witnesses, they never wrote a book. They never got paid any money. As a matter of fact, they were ridiculed and humiliated in the community. Oh, yeah, you saw a lizard man. But there's been several other sightings in the same area. As a matter of fact, I know, Sarah, you're looking for it. Now, there's a recent sighting, and we're going to put the picture in the show notes. Now, I got to tell you, the most recent sighting, the picture looks fake to me. I'm just going to say it. It looks fake, but you never know. 
I find this Christopher Kids, Christopher Davis, I find his testimony very compelling. The picture that this woman recently took, it looks too good anyway. It's like you see the whole thing and it looks like a seven foot, it looks like a seven foot tall guy in a, in a costume, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty. But, you know, that's the fun of all these things. I've asked myself, if you allow yourself the possibility that some, at least some of these things might be true, what could account for it? Now, the, the last story we talked about in the, uh, the last two, the Hopkinsville and then the Bishopville monster, they were associated with UFOs. But the Lizard Man and many of the other cryptid sightings, we'll talk about Dog Man in a minute, they're not associated with UFOs. So what could these things be? And I, w- I want to just put this out there. We've been told by members of the intelligence services that whatever technology is known today, that the U.S. intelligence services, the Army, particularly the Navy, they're 50 years ahead. So we know, what was it, back in the 80s where they were able to clone a sheep? We know that genetic research has gotten so advanced now that the idea that they could mix the genes of two creatures, not only is it plausible, I'm sure it's likely. And if it is, who's to say that in some crazy lab run by the deep state and the darker aspects of our government haven't crossed humans with animals. She'll look up the story of Phil Schneider, which is a fascinating story that Phil Schneider claimed on the Dulce Mountain in New Mexico, he claimed he was part of an ultra-secret military group that focused on issues relating to UFOs and that he and his Uh, combat platoon were ordered to go in to a shaft in the the mountains in Dulce, New Mexico, and that he encountered eight-foot gray aliens, and he was injured, that he actually shot one of them, and another one shot some kind of beam at him, and it took like two of his fingers off. Now, his injuries are real. And his wife, who I've tried to contact to get on the show, she's incredibly hard to find. His wife claims that all of the stories are real. Now, Phil used to do lectures and he'd go to UFO conferences. He talked to about anybody that talked to him. He was found to have, big quotation marks, committed suicide. I think it was with a piano wire and like a stab to the chest. Who strangles themselves and stabs themselves at the same time? His death was incredibly mysterious. So there's the Phil Schneider story. So my point in that is it's entirely possible that our government has done some extreme genetic engineering and could possibly have combined the genetic material 
of a human with other animals. And that would account for some of these sightings. I mean, lizard man and reptilians, by the way, have been reported for hundreds of years. You know, probably one of the most common cryptid sightings is of the dogmen in Michigan. Now, there have been hundreds of people. Uh, a, a woman wrote a book called The Beast of Blair Road. A lot of these sightings took place on a road called Blair Road. And these dogmen creatures are supposedly seven to eight foot tall. They walk and run on their on two legs. They're 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 not uh, a typical dog. They have a dog's head and the torso of the man. Uh, many have been described to have blue or amber eyes, and they have a howl that is said to sound like a human scream. The first sighting was in Wexford County in 1887. I mean, this goes back, like I said, hundreds of years. A couple of lumberjacks spotted a dogman while they were working. Since then, there's been dozens of dogman sightings. And if you haven't, uh, I really recommend you read The Beast of Bray Road because Linda, the author, did extensive research and interviews. She was a newspaper woman and... (laughs) It's funny. She went to the, I'll never forget this story. She told us, she went to the local sheriff and said, look, I've heard about these reports of a dog man. Do you have any information about it? And he kind of looked at her sideways. He went over to the file cabinet and he pulled out a thick manila folder that had dozens, dozens of reports of seeing this thing. So we have to ask ourselves, what the heck is going on? Like I said in an earlier segment, you don't have to believe all of these. And some of them are, are invariably hoaxes. There's no doubt. But even that, I have to say, well, what's in it for the hoaxer? Now, some of it's just for fun. You know, we've never talked about crop circles on this show. But if you if you read the mainstream media coverage of crop circles, oh, these two guys were found to have used a rope and a piece of wood and they're all hoaxed. And you could just dismiss it. But there's thousands of other, excuse me, I don't want to exaggerate, hundreds of other instances that can't be explained with a rope and a piece of wood there's too many people that have seen creatures that defy explanation so i'm always thinking what the heck how could this be you know the mothman how could that be what if what if genetic material of a human and an insect like a moth or a bird were combined. And what if one of these things escaped? Phil Schneider and reported that in this Dulce base, there are several levels and that the ETs and humans work together in the Dulce base. And many other people have reported this. And on one level are the genetic experiments and the most horrific 
looking creatures you could imagine. They are combinations of humans and almost any other animal and alien species you can think of, and they're kept locked in cages. According to witnesses, the, the place smells, it's the worst smell ever, and the images will never be erased from their mind. So who knows? But you know, we do on this show is we we throw this out there and you decide i don't think all of them are fake i don't think they can be there's just too many reports of strange humanoid creatures we got we got a couple more weeks in the Oktoberfest. more paranormal and esoteric we'll see you next week on clarification i'm james clary see you next time